This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Working class on DeerCast. It's episode 112. It's actually the last episode of the series, which sounds sad, but I think it's a good thing, right? Not that it's ending, but like there's positive transition with DeerCast coming to partner. And I had to have Matt, uh, not your favorite podcast, the host of Not Your Favorite Podcast, be my guest for the last episode. So thanks. You son of a gun. <laughs> it's the 100% Wild Podcast. I, you, one of these days, we're going to catch up to you guys. Yeah. One of these days. You guys had just had to keep trying, you know. I just remember it's not your favorite podcast. Is I think that's yeah. what you guys call it. Yeah, that's it's that's right. Knife op, not not your favorite outdoor podcast. That was uh, a classic uh, podcast phrase over here for us. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Uncle Mark. Right? It's like uh, I think that one was uh, courtesy of Taylor. <laughs> oh, was that a Taylor thing? I always thought it was. Yeah, a thing. that's all right though. We can blame it on Taylor, but I think you know I, that's fun to me. Like it's a fake feud. That's right. We have but, a good time with it. And actually, you know, behind the scenes, you know, we're trying to help each other out and and drum up some some future uh, business and partnerships and all kinds of good stuff. So and that's kind of where you were leading with your intro in regards to the deer, the working class on DeerCast and that transition. And, uh, you know what, that's been running two years now, I feel like. Is that yeah, right? Just a touch over two years. So. And you guys in that time have absolutely exploded and, and um, busier than ever. And so a, a lot's changed, you know, in two years. Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, so I want to thank you for kind of letting us um, in the door of DeerCast and kind of letting us be the uh, we'll go brother podcast to not your favorite podcast for the time. And then but it's been awesome, man. We've had we've met a ton of great people through Drury Outdoors, ton of good connections. 
And uh, you're a major, major part of that. So I just want to give a big thank you to you first and foremost. So, yeah, no, I appreciate you guys are working hard for us and getting the word out there on DeerCast. And that's really what the partnership um, was all about in the beginning. And and since then, it's kind of grown into to different levels. And I think, you know, the plan is this series is ending on DeerCast, but um, you know, we're going to continue a partnership over on the, the full working class podcast and be a partner with you on, on every level over there. So continuing to, to have that connection going forward. Yeah. And I always felt like I want to give this full explanation on this episode. Cause I always felt like when I start to tell people like, Oh yeah, it's, I, Oh yeah. We're in the series and they're coming to partner. A lot of people are like, Oh, it's like, no, no, it's, it's not a bad thing. Like, this is a good thing. It's just changes with growth. Like it's good. So uh, anyone out there that might think it's a bad thing, it's clearly not. So um, yeah, positive well, I, all around. It frees you guys up to do more podcasts over in the working class side too, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's you know, as you continue to grow that brand, that's that's the goal on your side. So um, yeah. I think it works out in a lot of ways. Yeah, definitely. So that being said, you know, um, I appreciate everything. I still want to get you into the WCB studio. I want you to just come in and be able to relax and not do anything. Like just come in and drink a beer and, and BS with us. That's what I want yeah. for you. Uh, hey, I would love that. I think it's going to have to be after deer season though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, at this point it's, yeah, we'll do that then. So how is We're, season going, man? Uh, I've had, it's been full ups and downs. I mean, we've had some great hunts and great opportunities and, you know, uh, my son Cameron killed his first uh, whitetail, a, a nice, a buck over at my dad's farm. So that was a, that was an awesome experience. Um, you know, killed a good deer during the Missouri gun season on my farm. So that was cool. Scott's killed a couple good bucks. Uh, my camera guy, Scott, and, and, and the guy that helps me on all the farm management. So it's been good, uh, mm-hmm. from that perspective, the, the downside's been, I've had a couple, odd things happen. Kansas early season, the muzzleloader season hit a deer, uh, come to find out later, my scope got loose. I've had this gun and scope combo for probably three, four years and never had an issue shot it before I went out there dead on. And, and, uh, I don't know if it was the roads out there or what, cause it's, I mean, it's really, really rough out there, you know, all those gravel roads and it's just, you know, real bouncy, frankly. And I guess maybe it got loose and, I didn't figure it out until I came back, but anyways, I hit a deer high and he completely falls over backwards and he gets up within 30 seconds, runs off. We, you know, trail him for days on end and he's still, uh, still kicking. He's still out there running around. We get pictures of him every once in a while. So that was a kind of a bummer to start the season, just kind of a weird mishap and just had some blown opportunities, uh, with archery in hand and, like I said, it's been a season full of ups and downs, but I'm on yeah. one right now and trying to finish out on a high note, and hopefully we will. So on uh, back to my lease, I, I got a pretty good one we're chasing. Well, awesome. Well, I hope you get them. I, I've been trying to, like, motivate people in this series, and a lot of people that are kind of dragging their ass a little bit, like, ah, oh, man, I haven't had a good season. Like, it takes one sit to change it. It, it does, and, and honestly – it's a game of, um, it's a game of inches. Mark and Terry had always said that. And, and, you know, just a few inches left or a few inches right can make or break your season. And, um, you know, I think the, I think if you're at this point in the season, you're still grinding. One thing to keep in mind is don't get complacent, keep shooting, keep shooting your bow, you know, keep, uh, practicing every time before you go out. Cause that, that, you know, it, it can change on a dime 
and could be the last minute of the of the the evening's hunt, you know, the afternoon's hunt. Like you just gotta be ready. And um, as soon as you start kind of like letting that creep into your mind, like uh, you know, I haven't had anything happen for weeks on end. Like that's the time it can happen, <laughs> and yeah. you gotta be ready for it. Yeah, because if you let yourself slip mentally, you know, and physically with the shooting, then it's just gonna you're not gonna close strong, and you gotta close strong. You know, the, the mental side is pretty. Um, and and I know we've talked about it. I, I'm sure you guys have covered it on, on the podcast, on your podcast. And I know we've covered it, but the mental side is interesting because it is at the, by the end of the season, you're pretty, pretty well worn out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you have pressures at home, you know, you've spent a lot of time away from your family or whatever obligations, you know, you're, you're juggling all these things. And, um, it, it's, it's like, you don't want to just be going through the motions, right? You still yep. got to be mentally in check because of that one moment where it can all change. Yeah. I think a lot of guys kind of what I did, well, I, I killed a buck over Thanksgiving weekend, but a lot of guys, for, the way it falls in Illinois, I would normally, if I'm getting frustrated and still have an open tag, unless I'm on like a, get a lead, you know, like I did, I kind of use that Thanksgiving break as kind of like a mental refresher if needed to kind of gear up for what's left of the season. Yeah, you know, because a lot of things change after that, depending on the layout of your ground and stuff like that. So it's easy to get yourself down and kind of count yourself out before. And you still got quite a bit of season left. Oh, yeah. Especially in Illinois. So just trying to stay positive is tough. The mental game is worse than anything in hunting. It is. And and like I said, at this point in the season, if well, we're having, you know, unseasonably warm temperatures, it's not really helping the the general deer movement. I mean, they're, you know, we're in a good moon uh, phase right now. We're, you know, getting ready to wax full, I think next Wednesday or Thursday. And so, you know, that you're getting some earlier movement, even though it's got, we got these warm temperatures, but like, you know, a couple of days ago we had extremely cold temperatures and I I'd say it's probably more the norm, the average temperatures, but it felt extremely cold based on where yeah. we've been at. and every deer moved, you, you know what yep. I mean? And yep you just wish that things would line up where you could couple the good, you know, moon phase along with good uh, temperatures and, and, you know, cloud cover wouldn't be there and all high pressure and all these things that we factor in on deer, deer cast, you wish they'd line up, but it really has not lined up often this season. I think the last weekend of October, it was like that, like unbelievable, like everything lined up. And then it really just hasn't been, you know, you might get a little blip here and there, but overall it's been tough, man. It just, it just hasn't lined up quite like we needed it to. But you bring up that weekend in late October. I, that goes down and from, I've been hunting a little over 20 years. From what I can remember, like the best six day span of hunting that I can remember, like I talked about it on a podcast, you know, a couple episodes ago, we had 12 friends all kill deer in like a six day span. Yeah, for sure. I think as we were leading into it, I kept saying on our podcast that that was going to be the best period of the entire year, unless we saw extremely cold late season temperatures, which we're not getting. So I stand by it. Like it was the best period. And we had, you know, I think in one day we had like six, seven people on our, on, you know, the jury, like on the 13 cast that killed, killed the, killed the deer. It's just crazy what all went down in, in a short you know, window. And if you weren't out there, if you didn't have time off work or whatever, you missed, boy, you missed one of the best periods in in the last several years. Yeah, definitely. You know, I was telling guys like, listen, well, a lot of people like, you know, if you can look at DeerCast, it's telling you, it's like, dude, if you have a couple of days of just PVD time that you can take one or two days, Thursday, Friday through the weekend, take two days, screw your 
rutcation that you take your continuous like break it up if you can and yeah it turned out to just be stellar so that'll go down as the best hunting weekend of all time until hopefully hopefully you get something again every season but next season again too you know it's just I, I mean you know some people don't believe in it but that moon phase lined up right in that period the end of october to where it made it just dynamite mm-hmm. and um, if we would have had the cold temperatures continue to last or say if we would have had the cold temperatures instead of the last week of October, that first week of November, that that first week of November would have been the best period, but it just lined up where that evening, you know, the sun or the moon rather waxing full right there at the end of October and extremely cold temperatures. It was dynamite. The moon is one of those things that for some reason, it's like, I feel like half the guys out there are like, nah, doesn't matter. And some guys are just die hard on it. And uh, I only pay attention to it when DeerCast is like, it's going to be good. Or I hear, you know, Mark or Terry mention something like, but I don't like, I don't live and die by the moon. Yeah. Got buddies that bring it up. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going. Does that make sense? Like, I don't yeah. not believe it, but I'm not like the dude who's screaming first. It, moon phase is number one from the rooftops, but it's not number one. And, and actually in DeerCast in the algorithm, it's not even that much of a, um, uh, positive or negative attribute it, it is a weight and it does affect it but not like some people think oh the juries are all basing it off moon it's not that mm-hmm. uh, but you know i think what i think i think the issue is like you have um people way smarter than you and i the deer deer biologists and people that study this for a living and their their studies show it not having any effect but if you really dive into those studies i think they're flawed in some degrees as to maybe where they're taking place at or how exactly they're studying it like if it only the collars only you know ping every whatever it is 15 meters or or whatever like as a as an archery hunter or deer hunter in general you're trying to get a deer catch them as they're getting up from their bed and moving to the food source or moving to do whatever they're doing you're trying to get as close as you can so mm-hmm. you're already within their you know within their i think their scope or their or their little circle so to speak yeah yeah so like those 15 yards like that mean or meters rather that means a lot to a, a hunter and yeah. so if just off a bedroom a bedroom and they get up a little bit earlier and they move that distance it may not have triggered on those collars you know because it's not a yeah. big distance but for you and i it is a big distance so yeah. i i have i've you know we've had um i think it was a dr strickland I, I forget who it was that we had on the podcast and great guy knows more than I'll ever know, obviously, and in, in, de- in relation to the deer and, and behaviors and all that stuff. But he explained that to us. It was like, oh, it was kind of a light bulb moment. It's like, oh, it seems like it's a little flawed then. Yeah, and so yeah. anyways, you you have people like that um, that push out their studies, which they should be. You know, it's great. It's cool. It's interesting stuff. But it, it, it then becomes a narrative of, oh, moon doesn't affect deer movement. And I've been here at Jury Outdoors. I'm 42. I started full-time at whatever, 21, 2021. And I've noticed that our team over 20, the 20 year period, those 10 days around the full moon, the first, you know, the five leading in the five preceding, mm-hmm. that's when we kill the most, most deer on the team. That's and all you need to need to see right there. I mean, 50 guys, you know, 50 or 60 guys over 20 years and over 120 deer a year average. It's, it's, 
this isn't scientific because it, they, they would have to hunt like Mark and Terry. They'd have to hunt every day for four months to be a true, probably a true study. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, variables would have to line up to, to be similar. But in general, it, it shows me that, you know what, <laughs> deer move differently yeah. during that period. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's all you need. Like, that's what directly affects you and your hunting and the people around you. And that's what really, you think about it, there was no deer cast, if there was no deer biologist, if you could put that together, you 100% would be like, oh, yeah, the moon's like a major thing, you know, what get, I mean? or whatever. Yeah, well, and re real world example, <clears throat> sitting, I'm hunting a lease that I've had for three years now, and this particular piece the deer had before the current landowner bought it three years ago, the previous owner had like 20 people hunting it during gun season. And they just, I mean, just slaughtered it, you know, slaughtered it. And yeah. so these deer will not come out and it's got one big giant open field, ag field on it. And deer won't come out until right at dark. Mm -hmm. And what we have noticed over three years, and this is a non-scientific study yeah. is that when we are around the full moon, we see deer pop out earlier than we do when it's not the full moon. If you line that up with cool temperatures, boy, look out. And yeah. so like right now we're in one of those periods and we've been hunting the last three or four days. And like I said, I'm trying to catch up with a good one. We have a couple different shooters and what that, that um, keep popping out on this one particular field we're hunting. And, and those deer based on, the camera study over the last three years. Cause one, one of them's a six and a half year old and I've known him since we've started hunting this farm and that the deer the first three years of his life in the previous owner's pressure or leasing. Yeah, pressure. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I have noticed that this deer will not stuff out unless the conditions are just primed. Right. Well, last couple of nights he's been out early the moon's rising at 12 PM, you know, 1230 PM, whatever. He's coming out just a little bit earlier. Last night conditions sucked. The, 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 it just wasn't a great, it wasn't a great deer cast night, but he came out a, like a couple minutes right before dark. Well, if the weather would have been, if the temperatures would have been a little bit cooler the night before when it was cooler, the deer was out an hour before dark. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? This is a deer that will not move unless it's dark out. Yeah, and so yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I liken it to it's directly correlates to that moon phase. And, and the only way I know that is because we've tracked this deer for three years now. And mm -hmm. those are his habits. And in general, yeah, yeah. all the habits of the deer out there. So I yeah, don't that's, know. That's it's super interesting. But yeah, it's like right there. That's what you know. It, it's directly affecting you and the deer you're hunting in your situation. I, I'm curious with that. You know, it, people that argue like pressure you know like that right there that deer hasn't had that type of pressure in three over three years three years yeah and he still held on to that habit from pressure all, all the shooters out there do too it's not, wild now the younger deer there we got this crazy he's uh he's probably four this year and it's just crazy he looks like he's a texas buck he's super wide it's like a seven point just a really interesting deer that we've been passing from an age standpoint, but next year, I think he's going to be actually something real, like a real cool special deer just because the width and, and the mass it'll put on. But that deer walks around like nobody's business. Like he doesn't have any care in the world. And mm -hmm. this is the deer that was, you know, a fawn, a fawn that last year, those guys were, were hunting it. That's and he really interesting. Like, there's no care in the world. Like yeah, the place. See, that's really interesting to me. Cause like, I don't know. Like I, I try not to, to pressure any ground I hunt. That way the hunting stays good into the late season. And I get a lot of guys like, ah, oh, you're 
not guys that I hunt with directly because they all get it. You know, they're all on the similar program, but some people that aren't on the same program, like, dude, it's not that big a deal. Like you're, you're thinking about it too much. I don't think I am. I'd rather take my, I'd rather err on the side of caution than not. And that's like a perfect example of it. I think even like this, this particular farm, it still has some intrusion. It's got easement on it and it still has some intrusion intrusion. So for instance, an elderly couple lived at the back end of the farm, like past the farm on this easement. And, um, they would drive every night. They would drive by every night at like dark 30, you know, right before the 30 minutes when all the deer are supposed to move, they drive right when you don't want them to drive by. Yeah. So, so unfortunately in the, in the off season, the, the gentleman, he passed away. And so they sold the widow sold the house and there's nobody back there this year. And here's another, this is just non-scientific looking at like the last two years versus this year, this year, the side of the farm that, 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 um, easements on it's unbelievable the amount of deer and movement we have on that side now. And it's, it's all because they don't have someone driving through. They don't have intrusion and people say like, Oh, they get used to a farmer. They get used to equipment. They get used to this and that. Well, that elderly couple had probably done that every day for 20 years or whatever it was. Mm. So certainly you would say, the deer would be used to that. That shouldn't bother them. Every time they did that and we were in stand on a lot of them deer, as soon as they hear the gravel popping, you know, like hell out of there. And, and that vehicle meant no harm to those deer, but it affected them. It was intrusion. And this year it's been totally different. It's, it's been awesome, frankly. So, um, if people yeah, I can make it, a joke, but I'm not going to make it. I, I, I was going to go dark with it, but I won't, I'll spare you. I said, unfortunately, unfortunately, for I was like, well, you know, they're old. Let's <laughs> try to be nice. <laughs> yeah. That's my dark humor. But yeah, like you go about thinking it like that. Oh, the deer are used to that. Oh, um, like I know a guy who hunts a, a spot. He kills deer there every now and again. But the old man like cross country skis through the timber, and I watch and I love him and he listens to every podcast. He's a great friend, and I'm just like, man, I would do anything I could to find another piece rather than deal with just like that old dude skiing underneath me. Like that would just drive me so nuts. Yeah, but I don't you, know. You can't do anything about it either, especially yeah. that's the only place to hunt. It's like, oh my god, it's like, well, what am I gonna I- do? Pressure is always a really interesting topic. I love those examples you have because it's like, it kind of, it proves the naysayers wrong. Like it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter if you drive down there every day. Now, if they drove down once a week, it'd probably be significantly less impactful on them. Um, Like when I mow a farm through some CRP, like burn strips and the perimeter of another farm on my tractor four times a summer, probably doesn't mess with them. Yeah. If I went on a, a joyride in my tractor every afternoon, yeah, probably would change things, you know? In fact, in that instance, you, you talk about it. It's like sometimes that movement or intrusion in that case, like you come in with your tractor and your brush hog and something like sometimes that curiosity will actually make deer move. We've, we've seen that a bunch of times where Scott will go up and he'll move a blind or he'll do something. And then we'll have pictures on our trail camera of a deer coming out about an hour later, looking to see what, you know, shooter or whatever, looking yeah. to see what, what was going on out there. So, you know, you, you do have those types of instances, but uh, in general, one more part to this, on that same piece we've been using this year, like in years past, I would take a, uh, you know, electric side-by-side or, uh, or, you know, just regular side-by-side or whatever. And we'd go, or even my truck to like halfway and we'd park and then walk to our spot. Mm-hmm. 
this year I've been just exclusively on this piece using an e-bike, these Rogue Ridge bikes, which I know you've, you've messed with those before yep. as well. And so we're riding in right to our spot. We're not leaving that scent trail that, that we had been in years past mm-hmm. and we're getting in quick. We're getting in quiet. And even, even our exit strategy, like, you know, we're blowing probably 20, 30 deer off the field, you know, between the front to the back, the back to the front of the property, but it's so quiet and it's so quick. Like I, you know, we do it with the headlamps off. Like we just do it kind of incognito and yep. man, I really don't think it bothers them one bit. And, and I will say like this year, we've had much better luck when we've, when we've gone out to this farm, seeing deer and seeing them in daylight. Like, I think there's something to that piece of it and how we're accessing our spots and yeah. going closer and not leaving a, a scent trail with our boots. You know, like, I think even that's left a big impression. I am the biggest e-bike fan. And yeah. there's a lot of people that don't get it until you have an experience like what you're having. Cause a lot of, yeah. it's hard to justify buying one. Yeah, you they're expensive. Four wheeler for the same price, you know, used one. Yeah. And I, I get it. But damn, if you care about pressure on deer, I have zipped by deer and it's like, what was that? Uh, but kind of like, I don't know. It's crazy. I've zipped by deer, watch a buck stand up and some CRP grass. If you keep on cruising, it's just different. I don't know. It's different. It's a magic carpet. It is. It's interesting. And I, I mean, it's, we we've had them for a couple of years and I've used it here and there, but this year I just said, you know what, we're just, I just felt like we needed to quit using the side-by-sides or the EVs or whatever on this farm. Just because, because the other thing is, is this big wide open field. Like it's hard to find somewhere to stash it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the bikes, <laughs> you just, we literally ride them to the spots and lay them over, maybe throw a little bit of brush or a leaf on it. And, and yeah. it's just invisible. Like they don't even pay attention to it. We've had them come up and sniff them and, yeah. you know, and, and look at them and they don't spook on them. Whereas you got some sort of four wheeler, ATV, UTV, whatever, like they do not like that. You know, it's yeah. some big box, you know, kind of yep. out of nowhere in their little terrain. So I was kind of wondering about that a little bit. I always took like burlap and would like lay it over it or just get it to a spot where, you know, I've had deer come up. I, I sprayed mine now a nose jammer. I don't know if it made a difference or not, but whatever. But I have a, a box blind I put on a gravity wagon. And yeah. so it's got wheels, it's metal, it's ugly, but it's farm equipment. And it just sits up there in the field. And I rode my e-bike to it and I just leaned it against the wagon. Yeah. And looking at it, I'm like, I don't know if they're going to care about this. It's, uh, you know, so does it look different because my e-bike's leaned up against a gravity wagon or should I have tucked it 30 yards away somewhere? You know, it's like, where do they care and not care when it comes to that? So I don't know. I thought a lot about that as well, because a lot of our, we'll, we use a lot of those keen trailers where like our box blinds will be, you could pop them up on those yep. trailers or whatever. And I've been wanting to put it underneath the trailer because there's room there by the tongue, just stash it there. And I haven't done it yet, but I think if I had, say if I had a couple of cedar branches or something, or like you're saying burlap, like I, I wouldn't think twice to, to do stash it right there and flat and lay that over the top. I don't think they would mess with it at all or care. Yeah. I'm going to figure that out this year. I'm actually, I'm going to get a new Rogue Ridge bike. I had the 750. I'm upgrading to a thousand. That's I'm, what I'm, I'm hard on them. And I told them, I'm like, I'm going to try and break it. And I've had the other one for years and it's, it's been a workhorse. Yeah. We've, I've, um and, and, 
full disclosure, they are a partner of ours. And I've had a few flats on the the smaller one. And then these guys in here, Tim and Scott and these guys got um, better tubes, I think. I forget mm-hmm. what the eight or two or something, something like that. And they got better tubes. And we haven't really had the issue since then. The two differences, because I got a 750 in bottom land, and then I got the 1,000. Because Scott's on one, I'm on one. Yeah. And the difference that I felt like I've noticed between the two, I feel like the 750, I, I like it from uh it's small and, and it's easy to stash anywhere. And you, you know, I like it from that perspective and bottom lane's cool and it folds up also cool. Yeah. But I feel like it's a little bit rougher because it's lower to the ground. The, the thousand, it rides a little bit smoother and, but it's also got those bigger tires on it. Yeah. But I've also wrecked that one a couple times like yeah. you gotta watch out on gravel <laughs> yeah gravel's tough and then i i kind of have a hack i leave it in the middle gear and i don't shift like a mountain bike gear on i just leave it in the center gear and i just run it like that yeah yeah i don't shift it at all i just leave it on and i don't even know what gear mine's on i just because we're but but i will say this farm i'm on is relatively flat like if i were going up hills and stuff it'd probably be a, a different story yeah there i do they're a tool that it's something I want to do more dedicated podcasts on is just like e-bikes and the benefits and stuff, because there's a lot I thought they might benefit me, but I didn't realize it until I got one. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a game changer. Like I rarely hunt not using one. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty um, handy. It, it's, I love, I love them. So. I love them. It's an investment, but it's worth it. So if you got to talk your wife into it, I get it. It's hard. It's a hard sell, but, yeah. uh, but so, I, you know, three, 3,500 for a bike. It's like, that's, that's a lot. Well, we'll go to the campground, man, and I'll put one of those, like, little kid chariots so you put your kids in. It's got, like, the netting. Yeah. And I'll put my kids in that and hook it up to that thing and rip around the campground, and that's – they love it. Yeah, it's they're pretty they're pretty awesome. Like, I, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't have thought I loved it as much as I do. Yeah, it's just one of them things. Hey, one other thing I want to talk about real quick before we get out of here. You know, your son's killing deer now. Yeah. Is this double the taxidermy for the house or like, what's the, what's the deal that you got to work out there? Cause I know that's got to, there's a conversation that had to have went down. Right. Yeah. So for the most part I asked him and and it wasn't like a giant or anything. Like we, I I see some of these kids that are killing like giant deer for their first deer. And I'm, I'm always thinking, man, you got ruined, (laughs) you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. my, my son had no expectation of what he wanted to shoot. And so when we went up to dad's really, it was, I let him dictate it and whatever got him excited and, and dad and I are on the same page about that too. It's like, Hey, you know, like a good, I don't care if he was a freaking spike. I really didn't care whatever he wanted to shoot we're in for. And yeah. so we had this good, you know, year and a half or whatever, I don't know, two year old, whatever it was, eight point come out. And he, he was so excited. And he, and he, even after the fact, he's like, man, that deer, that was a big deer. Wasn't it? That was a big deer. And I'm like, yeah, buddy, that was a huge deer. So anyways, I asked him what he wanted. I was like, do you want me to cut the antlers off and put it on, you know, a piece of board, or do you want to do a skull or do you want a full shoulder or whatever? And mm-hmm. he likes the skull look, you know, he looked yeah. like, zero, which I'm like, Hey, I'm all about that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. what I, most of mine is and I, I got a wall of euros in my office here. And so I haven't had to, I, I know a guy, Dan Burnett, that locally, that's a friend that does, does all my euros for me. So it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty, painless as far as the pocketbook goes but as, if, yeah, he killed, yeah. if he killed a big deer like and he wanted i don't care 120 whatever he wanted and he said i want a shoulder mount of course we'd have to go in and, and do it i'd be all for it and yeah. just suck it up <laughs> yeah you got to do it i mean especially just the first few uh 
I'm getting yeah. into like having that conversation with our crew. You know, our buddy Austin, his son shot his first buck and they're, you know, a good buck for, you know, I don't know how old he is, eight, nine. I don't know. I forget. Dan Potts reaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Triple that was a pretty five. good clip, man. That kid came in. I was worried about getting him to talk. Yeah. And he came in just so confident and just witty. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, it's awesome. Yeah. He, they're shoulder mounting that buck and you know, he's, he's a pro he's a legend in his own mind already, which is hilarious, you know, talking to him, but I, I'm excited for those days if my kids get into it, but I just know the taxidermy thing, it starts doubling up fast. Um, like it did with my dad and I, you know, I got my first buck mounted right here and it's like, that was really nice of my dad to mount that, you know? Yeah. Same. I'm looking at, at my first one as well. And it, and, and, and it's one of those things like, you know, it's, it's costly, but in the scheme of things, like this is, I killed that deer when I was 15 or 16 and I still am looking at it. I don't know how old you were, you know, we're yeah, about you, the same 14 ish. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, you got it forever. It's, it's a great memory. So no, yeah. I can't complain about that. You got, I got my money's worth out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's still around. It's been a long time. Yeah. And it looks all right still, you know what I mean? Right. So, a little dusty. <laughs> cool. I like to, I like to bring that up. I'm, I'm a taxidermy nerd. Uh, we just have a bunch of the studio and the collections growing. So I always bring up taxidermy stuff. I, I brought a, a question up. It was a couple of years ago, at ATA show with the Lindsay's. And I said, this is kind of a weird thing to bring up, but hear me out. When you die, what happens with all your taxidermy? Maybe I brought that up to you as well at one, in, during one conversation. Uh -uh. I know they have a lot of shoulder mounts, and they're like, oh, man, I never thought about that. I'm like, yeah, hopefully, I mean, their kids are into hunting, but what a burden for somebody who doesn't care. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And those are the ones that you go to somebody's, like, um, yard sale, and then he's like, damn, they're getting rid of dads, all dads uh, deer mounts. And it's like nobody yeah. cares about that deer but you is the reality of it. Now your son, or if there's something special, if there's some, you know, heritage there or, or ties, like that's yeah. one thing. But when you have the amount of deer, like I think even Mark or Terry, I think Mark said it before, like he would like to donate his, uh, you know, Bass Pro or Cabela's or whatever to be utilized, like some big deer. Mounts, yeah. You know? yeah. But, but you think of like, I can't imagine how many, 140 to 150 inch caliber deer that they've killed over the year between the two of them. And, yeah. you know, Bash Pro and Cabela's aren't taking those deer. So what do you do with all of them? <laughs> End up in a tavern one day or That's something. Right. I'd be yeah. cool with that. You know, a bunch of dudes drinking cold bush light looking like, where'd that deer come from? Yeah, yeah. I can live with that. You I know? don't know if they want all my three-year-old Euro mounts, but <laughs> I got okay. a handful of those. <laughs> yeah. Same. I do too, you know, but I don't know. It's something I always think about because, you know, when my dad passed away, it's like, of course, I'm going to hang in the studio and honor him. And like, you know, and it's, it's either important to me. Correct. If my kids aren't into a man. I have so much adding up and I hopefully have another 40 years of deer hunting. I'm just going to get a little pickier or just will them to like a cracker barrel or something. <laughs> the, the cracker barrel mountain. Those, they could use some help because all those are pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah I, I mean, we, we just did a podcast not long ago about a DIY Euro mounts. And um, I was surprised over the, on YouTube, on the Drew Outdoors YouTube channel, there was a few guys that were going back and forth about like almost how it was disrespectful to do the Euro mounts on some of these year. And I'm like, man, I, I don't see it. Like I, even my wife likes the Euro mounts. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a cool look and it's pretty popular at this point. We have Euro mounts all over the studio. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't get why someone would be so passionate about what you, like if I, if I looked at 
you and said you you had a 150 inch deer that you euro mounted yeah you know i'd be like oh you what a shame you did that to that deer it's like what the hell do what the hell do i care what you do to that deer it's your deer <laughs> they'd just rather see all those deer so where, where is the line of respect and like is it like 130 everything over 130 you got to show it respect anything other you got to don't show it respect and just euro I, it i don't know because i tried to say to the guy like i first of all i actually like the way it looks Second yeah. of all, like it does help with the pocketbook. Like if you're not euro mounting, like on a typical year, typical year, kill two or three good bucks. Yeah. And, um, and like, that's, what are you looking at? A couple grand that $1,500 to a couple grand there. And yeah. like, okay. So if I could euro, euro mount them for a hundred dollars each, yeah. that's a swing. <laughs> so, yeah. But they are classic. They're a good look. You know, I know guys that just don't like the look of shoulder mounts. They want to euro everything. Like yeah. big deer. Like 60s, 70s types bucks. And I'm and I I'm kind of like, ah, I'd shoulder mount those, but we, we have oh. a couple of marks deadheads that they found, you know, in shed season or whatever, and they got salvage tags for that we have Euro mounts for, like big deer. Yeah. And they they look awesome. Like I so I don't know, man. Like for me, I think I think the cutoff is in that like 50s range. That yeah. that's me personally, I wouldn't have said that, you know, I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago, but right. currently that's kind of where I'm at. Like, Hey, mid fifties, you know, and up, I'd probably go shoulder mount, which yeah. I haven't killed any of those lately. So I've saved a lot of money. Let me tell you. See, that's all right. Yeah. I, I love it, man. I, uh, we're getting to the point where I'm like, Ugh, you know, like luckily I have the studio because my house is full. And I can put all the new ones here. And we bought the neighboring building and are like trying to renovate it. Trying yeah. is the keyword there. And then, uh, so we have more room now than ever. We have all our African animal animals coming in. And Eric shot a giraffe in Africa. And we showed him <laughs> a giraffe. So you had to buy the building next to you just to put that thing up. <laughs> honestly, I mean, it was too good of a deal. Actually, the building cost us less than the giraffe mount <laughs> to buy <laughs> the building. So it kind of made sense, but, uh, but yeah, man, like how stupid is that? We're, we shoulder mounted a giraffe. <laughs> well, I mean, it is a hell of an experience, I guess, you know, it's one of those things where if you don't, you never know when you'll get back or, or whatnot, which I know you guys go, you've gone the last couple of years, but you never know when you, you might be your last chance. So I, I kind of see it. What cracker barrel is going to want a giraffe, Matt? Uh, none. They, that's <laughs> canceled cracker i don't think any i don't know any place that can restaurant that can take a draft these days yeah hopefully shields will want it or something when they're <laughs> dead and gone but but dude i i enjoyed the conversation man uh go kill a deer this afternoon and uh, i appreciate everything you've done for us over the last couple of years with this working class on deer cast series man it's been awesome and uh hopefully you still talk to me after this episode and I can still come down from time to time and record with you guys. Well, we're going to see you over at ATA and drink a beer, I think. So we got yep. at least something coming up in the next two weeks, three weeks or so. So yeah, no, yeah. We appreciate you guys and, and um, you know, all the, the help you've given us as far as like spreading the message on DeerCast and the good word. And uh, I think we got plenty of uh, years of partnership to come, just a different look. So we're yeah. looking forward to it. And, and uh, thank you guys. Yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, hey, plug your podcast once so I don't feel like such an a-hole from the opening <laughs> comments. Well, listen, we have a not – it will be not your favorite outdoor podcast, but we, we like to play in the same arena as Kurt and the boys at working class. Yeah. Uh, but we call ours the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild podcast. And uh, you know what? We got a little – you know, I, I'm in the, the working class uh, Facebook group. Love it. We got a Facebook Sorry. Group. 
Yeah, I, I love it. Now, I don't comment much because I have a feeling like I could get killed in the comment section. So I'm one of those creepers that just like to 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 keep in touch with what everybody's saying. But yeah. uh, we have a Facebook group too for the for the 100% Wild uh, podcast called the Rack Pack, and and you're in it, and and, yeah. and like yours, like it's a good place to shoot the shit, good camaraderie, um, show your deer if you kill one, your turkey, whatever it may be, get get some good advice. So uh, come on over and jump in if if you want to. But no, we appreciate it, and I love the back and forth banter uh, yeah. between the two podcasts. Well, we've been talking about it for the whole time we've been doing working class on deer because we actually do need to box out time this summer, like July sometime, and get you guys here. Let's and, do it. And we'll just BS, man. I just want you to come in and not to worry about nothing. Have a beer. Don't worry about any production stuff, anything. You're just here to talk. That's it. Right. That'd be different for me, man. <laughs> yeah. That's why I want to see you in that atmosphere, you know, because every time I'm there, I'm that guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, just nice. Like, it's nice, isn't it? Nice change of pace to, to come somebody else's podcast and not have to worry about it. It's great. I love it, too. So I want to I return that treatment for you. So All right. Deal, man. We'll make it happen. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you everyone for watching and listening to this series. We're not going anywhere. We're just cussing a little more twice a week instead of once a week. That's really That's my kind of podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So you know what to do, everyone. Go shoot a giant. Thanks for supporting us. And we'll catch you next week. We're doubling down on regular WCB content. It's going to get scary. Good luck if you still have an open tag. Go kill one, Matt. I will, man. I'll keep you posted. Thanks for having me on and thanks for everything. Thanks, buddy. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.